Hey guys, we just finished recording an episode with Hector Martinez. Wow, what a great episode. He like besides the the just sheer knowledge that he brings to the table, like as far as flipping and real estate goes, like this guy like truly like lives his life in a with positivity, with drive, mm -hmm. with enthusiasm. He's so wise. He's so wise, you know, yeah. like he really uh has an int introspective view in life and really I guess that that that's part of his faith, right? Because yeah. um, he channels God and, and he has that belief system. It really makes him um, reflect on himself. Yeah, for sure. Um, like, like there, there's so many like little like nuggets like that, like bigger pockets, of, like phrasing golden nuggets that, that, that he brings to the table. But like like uh, in, in a more like technical way, like one one way that he added value to me during the interview, besides the great, great points that he gave, was that like he reaches out to so many realtors to try to find uh good deals or good people to work with so like he's often reaching uh, messaging uh the top realtors in his in the brokerages like he did he did say that he doesn't tend to reach out to young realtors because i think that he's going to go for the more proven method and i think that's a, a that's a wise thing to do it's not easy because those realtors are tough to get because they have a lot of people going after them with them as well but it's building that relationship and also the persistency that he has like he's very persistent when it when a realtor says like, oh, I have a potential deal, he's there like right away. Like he'll yeah. drive right to the property yeah, to show that he's serious. It's not like, oh, send me the address. Let me like take a look and this and that and never get back to them. So like you need to show you're serious as well because, you know, they want business. They want to get their deals in and out. Um, So that's that's important as well. Yeah. yeah. For somebody like him who like uh, does a lot of volume and and you guys will hear in the episode uh, he does a lot of volume every year. So like, it's really important for him to act on these uh, relationships because then he's going to facilitate more deals for himself. Yeah. And um, I guess my takeaway, I really like the fact that he said to not really be fearful about the action you take or the risks you take, because it takes some knowledge to get to the point where you where where you are to take a risk, right? And so even if that risk, like trying to flip a home, doesn't work out and you lose money, it's not like you're starting from zero. You take two steps forward, you might take one step back. You don't take three steps back because you're starting from knowledge. You'll take that knowledge into your next deal or the next phase and the next chapter of your life. So I think that's a really good takeaway and a reason for people to actually take action and not be so fearful because the worst thing that'll happen is maybe you take a step back, but it's still a benefit because you learned immensely from that opportunity. Oh yeah. So I think that's super valuable to, to if you're scared of taking that step or putting in offers or looking for deals, like it's going to be a, a learning process and know that there's going to be some bumps, but, um, but at the end of that comes success. Oh yeah. Yeah, this this is this episode was a big one in pushing me, somebody who doesn't have too much experience, to make sure that I, that I do have, like, make sure I I put out and like make sure make sure I I am actionable with my next steps. So yeah, without further ado, this is Hector Martinez. This is the the Curious Investor Podcast. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Curious Investor Podcast. My name is Paulino Marquez, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Philip Costa. Uh, today, we have a great episode lined up. We have the founder of UJAM Group, 
and future Flipper coach, Hector Martinez. Hey, Hector, how you doing? What's going on, fellas? Excited to be here. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're very excited to have you. Like, we think that you can add so much value to our audience. Uh, so real quick, before we get started, um, can you please provide us a little bit of background about yourself so that for those who are unfamiliar with, with what you do, they can get familiar with you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, where do I start, man? I have uh, I've done a lot of things, but um, really started in investing in real estate probably about five, five years ago now. And uh, I have a banking background and um, worked as a personal banker, actually, with uh, Wells Fargo Bank, if anybody's familiar. Um, so did that for about six years and uh, had a corporate job, nine to five, um, you know, pretty much worked every single day, suit and tie for a long time. And uh, then worked my way up and um, became a licensed invest or licensed banker. And uh, really started talking to a lot of uh, people that had a lot of money and they were investing in the stock market and investing it in, um, you know, in, in mutual funds and stuff like that. But the guys that had a lot of money and like were really wealthy uh, always were in some form of real estate investing. And so that was like my first introduction of real estate investing. And uh, it was after Wells Fargo that. I got really intrigued about um, real estate, fix and flipping rentals. A buddy of mine uh, was doing it and he was doing, he, he started like a small startup and um, wanted me to join him. So left my job, the security of it, health insurance benefits. I just had my firstborn and uh, decided to go all in. And I did that for a couple of years. It was a different company, not real estate, but it was just, you know, the beginning of like entrepreneurship. And um, I worked with him for a little bit. And in the same building that I worked at, um, they owned that the guys that uh, owned the building, you could say like that, they were they owned a construction company, but they were also investing in real estate. And so just got to meet them and, you know, kind of see what they were doing and uh, really just got super curious, you know, about what they were doing. Uh, they focused more, again, on the construction side. So they did drywall and paint for multi-family uh, buildings. So they worked for builders and different people like that. But the owners all had rentals. They all did fix and flips. They all had, you know, passive income from their rentals and stuff like that. And so I just began to ask a bunch of questions. And that was kind of like my my awakening, you know, just seeing these guys like operate, you know, in a entrepreneurship kind of spirit and vibe. And just uh, just took off from there, just asked questions. And I think two years later, I did my first flip. And, you know, I can go into that later. But that's kind of uh, my introduction to into real estate. I got the corporate experience, then the entrepreneurship experience, and then just kind of went all in. But, you know, uh, as far as personally, I grew up in Mexico City, like I was telling you earlier, uh, you know, born and raised there. And when I was six years old, we moved to uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and, you know, grew up really humble, really humble beginnings. Um, my parents didn't make a lot of money. You know, my mom used to clean houses for a living. My dad was a painter, you know, so like pretty much came from nothing um, and, uh, you know, just had a really strong work ethic. So that kind of all uh, applied itself when I got into real estate and that's kind of a little short, you know introduction of who i am or where i come from yeah nice that's awesome um 
so I, I would like to get into that first deal. Uh, how, what was it? What was it and how did you find it? Like, just go into some of those details of, uh, of the, uh, the deal. Yeah, so my first deal, uh, I was still working at the construction company or at the uh, drywall and paint company. I was overseeing their finance department. And I just remember um, my mother-in-law at the time had just gotten her uh, real estate license. So she was a brand new agent. This is probably about five years ago now um, or maybe even six years ago. And she was just hunting for deals, you know, residential clients. And, you know, when I kind of got introduced to the whole fix and flip thing and just understood how easy it was. Um, I just asked her to be on the lookout, you know, for deals on the MLS. And at the time, it was kind of like a similar market to where we are now, where it was pretty, it was pretty much a, a, a buyer's market. Um, and, you know, it was uh, a slower market at that. So we went in um, to the MLS. She found a little property in Aquart, Georgia. It was like a, a ranch home and uh, there was uh, this guy that was in the military needed to move out to California. So he's pretty motivated to, to sell the house and, and move. And uh, dude, I had no mastermind, no money. Like I just, I was green. I was super fresh. Uh, but I knew that there was like a way to make a lot of money fixing and flipping just because I had seen, you know, guys at the bank and the guys at the construction company like do it over and over again. They were making, you know, great money. So she found a deal. She negotiated the guy down to, I think, 160000 at the time. Um, and he accepted our offer. I didn't know what I was doing. I knew <laughs> that I needed to buy it, you know, low enough to put a little bit of money into it to make it, you know, a good condition, you know, for uh, somebody you know, first time home buyer type of thing, and then just sell it and make a profit. So that was our first deal. Uh, the guy ended up agreeing. And in my local church, we had a bunch of guys that were in some form of trade, right? Like the painters, the flooring guys. So I'm obviously Hispanic and I go to a, a Hispanic church. Um, and a lot of the guys are just in that field, in, 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 in that in, in different industries of, uh, you know, uh, the labor force, if you will. Mm -hmm. So I just started asking all the guys like, hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And little by little, just started building uh, my own little team and um, went into that property at 160. I think we spent probably about 40,000 with materials being pretty low at that time, not as, mm -hmm. you know, what they were like two years ago. And, um, you know, we, we just remodeled the kitchen, the, you know, the floors, the paint, it was pretty much a lipstick rehab. We didn't do it like a full gut. We didn't replace, you know, the bathroom or we just kind of did a lipstick just, you know, on property, did the landscape. So we spent about 40,000. So I think we were all in for like two ten or something like that. And, um, we ended up listing the deal, and I think at the end of the day, we ended up selling for like 250 260 I don't really remember right now, but my take was $11,000. I remember that number, and uh, I remember that because it was uh, it was kind of like a joint venture with my mother-in-law and I. Mm -hmm. Like She put up some money. I put up some money. I actually borrowed money from my boss from the construction company, and I it was it was my first private money loan i just didn't know that that was what it was called in like this industry you know yeah 
but I just asked them to put it on a note. It was I did a promissory note. Again, that had I just went on Google and found it. I didn't have any guidance or anything, but you know, when you when you start when you when you get hungry for something, you kind of start exploring like, okay, yeah. what what can I do to make this happen? So I just went and started researching the crap out of these notes and all these things and finally got the got the money. I think I, I borrowed twenty five thousand or something like that. She brought the rest of the money and yeah, walked away with eleven thousand dollars my first deal. I think she walked away with the same. So I think maybe the profit was like, I don't know, twenty five K or something on that first deal. It was a profitable deal. And then I just got hooked like out there <laughs> check, you know, I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. So that first year we did, uh, or I did probably about 10 flips after that. And again, wow. it was just borrowing money, meeting people or after people, I got pretty lucky, pretty blessed. I would say, um, I met a private money lender, um, my first year, you know, of, uh, of, um, of flipping like outside of my old bosses who I still, they still lend me money to this day, but, um, I met a true private money lender that, you know, was financing a hundred percent of the deal. Um, and so he's still my, one of my top private money lenders to this day. And, uh, yeah, that was my first deal. Uh, could you just, um, explain what a private money lender for those who might not know? Yeah. And you guys have to slow me down because I'll go on, a, on, a, on, a, on a <laughs> and I'll just keep talking. So if you don't tell me, I'm going to just keep going. No, we uh, got so you. private money is, uh, essentially, uh, money this is what i consider private money but mm -hmm. it's uh, it's money that is lent to you by friends or family members you know people that uh, that you know are wanting to invest their extra cash or you know their 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 savings into a real estate deal so that's private money versus hard money is uh essentially you know a a, a non recourse loan where they're basically using uh, real estate property to kind of secure the loan that they're giving you. So difference between private money lending, the private money doesn't necessarily have to be attached to a real tangible asset. It could be attached to a promissory note or, you know, something else. Um, but a hard money loan is always attached to, the asset and they kind of base what they can let you borrow based on the value of that asset. So which um so out of those two types of like like private loans, I guess you could say, or like two like like ways of getting funding for a deal, like which one do you prefer? Yeah, so the way I finance most of my deals is through private money. So uh there's different people out there that you know lend their own cash. Uh, sometimes you can simply secure it by a, again, a promissory note or just like a, um, a term, you know, uh, note that gets attached to the property. It's almost like putting a lien on a house, that type of thing. Um, but what do I prefer? Private money is a lot easier to work with. It's a lot more flexible. Uh, it's, it's definitely easier to manage you know you're not there's no there's not a lot of red tape um with hard money you have to you know sometimes get an appraisal on the house you have to qualify for certain things and even though some lenders you know uh promote that you don't have to have a good credit score or you don't need any documents you know 
you're getting you're paying a price for that right so like if you're getting good hard money you 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 have to have those things you have to have good credit you have to have uh you know just um your ducks in a row you know if you're going to get good rates um for hard money but i prefer private money lending so like getting that money from people that you know personally like there, there's definitely that kind of like i like i would feel i would assume i never had this situation before so like like uh, i would assume that there's a, like some sort of pressure to make sure that they get that money back and for stuff. sure so like so like how do you guarantee like or do you feel confident every time you take money from them like what is like how is that feeling yeah i mean it's it's definitely an interesting thing because you know it's um you, they're really putting their trust on in you and, and and it's definitely a lot of pressure but i feel like that pressure has helped me get to where i'm at you know i've done many six figure deals uh you know we've done uh Last year, I think we did 67, 68 deals, um, fix and flips. So, you know, but it's it's because of that constant pressure of like making sure that, you know, we're doing everything right because there's people depending on me type of thing. So I, I, I personally really drive it, you know, uh, I'm driven by that. But yeah, what I was going to say is, you know, pr private money is um, is definitely easier to work with than hard money. But what I do a lot of the times I'll borrow, uh, this is a tip for anybody that's starting out that really has no money. But what I do a lot of the times is I'll, I'll go to a hard money lender, right? Like these national guys that are like uh, lending home, for example, they're uh, Kiabi now. Um, there's another one called Civic Financial, uh, Lima One, like all these national hard money lenders. Uh, they'll give you 70, 80% of the value of the house. Well, then you have to come up with the down payment, right? So let's say it's $100,000. They're going to give you 70% of that. So you're going to, they're going to let you borrow $70,000 and you still need to raise that $30,000, right? So what I do is I combine hard money and private money. So I'll go and borrow the 30,000. That's called gap funding so that I can come and, um, so I can come at a hundred percent with zero dollars out of my pocket to get the deal uh, done. What interest rates are you getting this money for typically? So the the hard money is usually pretty standard. Depending on your credit score, there's there they usually are tiered. So I've seen anywhere from like eight percent all the way to twelve, thirteen, fourteen, sixteen percent um, annualized. And then you're paying points. So you're paying anywhere from half a point to two and a half points. Three points is just, you know, that's, that's, uh, I've, I haven't seen that too much, but two and a half points is the max um, on hard money. And then private money, like I said, it's flexible, you know, so everybody's different um, depending on how much they let you borrow. Like if, if somebody's only going to let you borrow $30,000, you know, really the industry average uh, you know that i'm getting i'd say is like 10 to i would say 15% annualized mm -hmm. um but you know like when i was starting out i was paying i think 8 to 10% monthly like because i just needed the money you know what i mean and yeah you're not going to make as much but you're utilizing other people's money at that point so it uh, it's really a safe bet you're putting you know the pressure and you're betting on yourself at that point and a lot of these short-term loans you it's usually interest only right 
yeah. in the in that beginning stages of the project where you're um, renovating it? Yeah, absolutely. Then you get into you know some of the hard money lenders will allow you to refinance into a long term product, which sometimes they offer. Uh, and I've done that before, you know, and they, that's when you'll, you'll get a principal and interest loan for either them or, you know, a traditional bank like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, whatever. Okay, cool. So I'd like to get into where you are now. So you said you did about 60 deals last year? Or this uh, year? Yeah, like 67, something like that. Okay. So how, what kind of systems are you using and how are you able to find all these deals, source them? I guess the majority of my deals come from word of mouth, you know, um, referrals and realtors. So I've been pretty blessed, pretty lucky to have met some really good realtors that feed me a lot of deals. You know, just last week I had four deals from a realtor um, that we're closing in, you know, uh, several different dates this month in September. But, um, you know, I've just been, like I said in the beginning, I started with my mother-in-law and, um, you know, she was constantly digging the MLS and then I realized that I wanted to do this in volume, started adding people to the team and, you know, people to help me, et cetera. Um, and I just, I realized I needed to connect with as many realtors as possible and I really got to find investor friendly realtors, you know, that understand what you're looking for, you know? and understand your numbers and your design and, and, you know, your, your buy box or whatever. So I would say 80 to 90% of our deals come from realtors or word of mouth, wholesalers, people that know that we can close on time, et cetera. And then I would say 20% of the deals come from off market um, strategies. So, you know, like uh, texting, uh, mailers, um, cold calling, we've done TV commercials, um, we've done, uh, we have never done radio, but we've done, um, what else have we done? We've done, um, yeah, TV ads, like in barbers and salons and different different things like that, like that. So just kind of, you know, trying everything, you know, but that brings about 20% of the deals. And yeah. our biggest lead source in that department is mailers and texting. Like I had a question about, like about like the realtors. So like, how, like you said that it's very important that you find realtors that are very investor friendly. Like as somebody who's starting out, like how do you source? Like how do you find? Like I'm I've been struggling with this recently. I was like trying to like find a way to contact investor friendly realtors. Like where can where do you find like a good realtor like that? Because like I feel like there's so many realtors out there yeah. that are so new and or that they're just residential and they care more about the aesthetic. They don't really think of it as an investment friendly kind of deal, or like they're not thinking that way. Like, how do you like, like go about finding those realtors? Yeah. So, um, honestly, my approach is very different than, than other people's. I don't, you know, you hear this in the industry and different masterminds, like, you know, find yourself the rookie agent because you can train him your way and, you know, you can kind of team up and, you know, get together and conquer the world. And, and, and that's great. And that's happened before, but I go for the top agent in, in, in a brokerage. Um, and really that's been what's worked. You know, I have, I have, a uh, one of the best agents that sources deals for us is her, is, is the top agent in her brokerage. And, you know, she's like top 10 in Atlanta. Like she is big time realtor that just, 
you know, just I wouldn't say it worked out. We we had a lot of back and forth conversation until we found the um, the the commonalities and the harmony, you know, on on how we both worked and we we enjoyed working together and, and how we did deals together. So now it's like a constant feed. But one way you can find realtors is obviously go to meetups and all that. And, you know, all that's great. And uh, I, I think it's sometimes a little bit difficult to do. But one thing that we did, um, I think two years back, we went on Zillow, Zillow.com. And uh, there's a way to find an agent on Zillow. So if you go to agentfinder.com, um, not agentfinder.com, zillow.com, and go to agentfinder on their website. Um, you type in the zip code of you know the areas you want to target, and this huge list of realtors comes up. Um, so I, what I did is I went and I typed in the zip code in my area, and I had one of my guys and my team just cold call all those realtors and introduce himself to them. Tell them what we do, and you're going to hit it off sooner or later with, with one or two of them. Um, all, again, I speak Spanish, so there's a way to filter the realtors by language. I don't know if you guys knew that. So I would just add, you know, speak Spanish. And so there you go. That's one commonality, one, one thing that you have in common with that person. Uh, and typically, you know, when you have someone, something in common, it's easier to connect. So that's what we did. And uh, I remember... We did this um, like the first day we started cold calling people, uh, agents, and we would go to like, you know, top agent in certain brokerages. Uh, I remember calling this one particular agent um, and she just seemed super rushed. Like, what can I do for you? Like, what do you want? And, and you know, that's their mentality. Like when, when they hear investor, they tend to think like, oh, I'm going to I'm not going to submit lowball offers. Like, I'm not going to deal with this guy. But, you you know, I could hear it in her voice. And I remember I was in the car with, with the guy that I, I had him calling. And I, and I, th I took over the, the call and I said, hey, you know, I just went straight into it. Look, I have X amount of cash to deploy. I'm looking for a deal tomorrow. If you have something right now, I'll drive to you and I'll go see it today. And sure enough, she was going to look at a property um, from one of her clients, uh, a, a pocket listing that was a little beat up and it was a little, it needed some work. And she was like, well, look, if you can meet me right now, you guys can come and we can look at the deal. Sure enough, we dropped everything we were doing. We showed up, she was super shocked that we showed up mm -hmm. and we ended up doing a deal because at the end of the day, they just wanna know that you're going to fulfill your end of the bargain and they don't have time to waste just like you don't have time to waste. So I just took taken the approach of going you know, straight into it and giving them the, as much value as I can up front so that they know that I, you know, I mean business. And, and I have many great stories like that of working and networking with realtors that have uh, just made hundreds of thousands of dollars for me. The other, uh, the last thing I'll say in that specific question is your social media. You know, I, I have another realtor, my second top tier realtor, found me on, on uh, social media. She messaged me and she said, hey, I know you probably get these messages all the time, but I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to just chat for a few minutes. Um, here's what I can do, blah, blah, blah. I'll give you a discounted rate on listing and I have leads that you know I can refer to you. And of course, I'm gonna call that person. So mm -hmm. I called, uh, we had a short conversation. 
and boom, like we, we've gotten a bunch of deals. I literally mean a bunch. Like you can go on tax records today and see that we purchased these deals with this agent involved. And, um, you know, it was by just posting what I'm doing on social media. Sometimes I sound stupid. Sometimes I feel like, you know, <laughs> my stuff is replayed a thousand times. But the reality is, is people are watching and you don't know who's watching and you might just hit it up with somebody. Yeah, I really liked how you uh, you really emphasized building those relationships and like you made it seem so easy, but I'm sure it wasn't as easy as you made, as it is because um, I'm sure that you went out to many properties um, to show that loyalty or consistency with these agents to show that you're you know you're in the game, you're not you're not playing, you're not um, you're a serious buyer. Yeah. So you just did it enough times where eventually you stuck out and a deal made sense, and now that agent I'm sure comes back to you over and over again. Yeah, that's exactly right. It does take work. You know, you gotta, you gotta put in the time and show value. You know, I, the, my number one agent, um, you know, I met her at a closing and, um, a lot of, you know, you, you don't know the power that gratitude has in this business. And what I mean by that is I met her at a closing and I was buying a property she had listed for one of her clients. And, um, you know, I met her briefly in the law firm. I signed for my documents. She had her clients. She was walking out and said, hey, thank you so much for this transaction. I'd uh, love to connect with you later. She blew me off and she just walked away. And she was like, yeah, you know, thank you. See you later. Kind of short and sweet. But then here's the key. What I did is I found her email in the list of, you know, the the transaction that we had did, and I sent her another thank you email. And I said, hey, it was a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Just want to express my gratitude. And I was being sincere on how you you handled this transaction. Really appreciate you. Please keep me in mind for any other deal. And that follow-up email, it took two months before I ever heard back from her. But <laughs> she kept me in mind and after those two months went by, we did another deal together, did another deal together, did another deal together. We've done probably, um, I don't know, at this point, we've done maybe 20 deals together uh, this year. Like we've done a lot of business with this girl. And uh, it was it was because of a follow up email. And she was the, the lady that got me uh, my first or uh, no, it wasn't my first. I think it was my third six-figure deal, but it was one of the largest six-figure deals that I had ever done. And it was just a follow-up email, being sincere and just, you know, following up. For sure. Yeah, you have to just keep keep hitting that bag, you know, until uh, until things work out. It's just that consistency. But um, yeah. I heard you mention uh, you did, uh, you're in uh, Masterminds. And uh, I would like to know what kind of masterminds you're in and what kind of value has that provided for you in your uh, in your investing career? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when I started, I, I didn't know what masterminds were. I think it was probably the second or third year that I started just feeling like I needed more knowledge and wanted to scale and grow. So I started just looking around on my Instagram and um Ryan Pineda came up uh, when he had like 15,000 followers. And, um, you know, I started seeing him post a lot about about real estate and about a um, mastermind called Future Flipper. And uh, remember at that time, I had just partnered up with my now business partner. And um, 
we kind of just had a conversation about wanting to grow, wanting to scale, implementing some things that we wanted to do. And uh, we applied for the Future Flipper program. And one of his guys called us and just kind of hit it off. And we attended like the first uh, event that they had. And at this point, they weren't doing like these massive events that they do now. It was probably like maybe 25 of us in a room and just kind of dissecting each other's business. But, you know, what I learned from the mastermind and the reason why I think people should be in a mastermind is not necessarily for the knowledge or the spreadsheets or the, you know, the tangible items you get, even though that's very, very valuable. It's for the network. You know, it's for the people that you meet. So, you know, it was a very expensive mastermind. I had never paid that much for education in my life. But, um, you know, I feel like I paid for the relationships. And out of those relationships, we've done many deals together with the people in the mastermind. Um, we've found private money lenders. We've found other hard money lenders. Um, and obviously, you know, I became a coach with them. I do content for them and um, I get integrated into their smaller circles. And it's a blessing because you, you surround yourself with people that know more than you. So you're only going to grow and, you know, kind of learn from what they already know. So we're part of that. And uh, recently we just uh, started exploring uh, Collective Genius down in Tampa. And I think you have to have a certain amount of deals done or certain, you have to have certain amount of uh, revenue that you've hit or something. It's kind of it's more exclusive from my understanding. Uh, but again, it's just, you know, the way I see it is just the network. It's just connecting with the right people at the right time and, you know, scaling your business that way. I agree 100%. Like when I'm the mastermind I'm a part of, I don't think if I was a part of that mastermind, I would be in where I am this year. Um, sure. Right now, right now we purchased the, we were, in the last three or four years, we wanted to buy shirts and rents. We just never did it. And then this year, once we entered into the mastermind, in four months, we had one other contract and a co-host oh. deal signed. So we're managing for another investor. So awesome. no doubt, hands down, the mastermind definitely put us in the right spot and the right position to to get to that level. And like like you said, mastermind is is bringing all those minds together and trying to resolve situations that or or give insight on certain things you see in the market or different tools that will benefit people's businesses. So just like helping each other out is really like growing together, and that's it's it has a lot of power for sure. Um, I'm sure both of us are great examples of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, another thing that being part of a smaller group or a small circle does is it, it provides accountability and celebration. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. accountability, yep. you know, because we're meeting twice a week, sometimes three times a week uh, in a smaller circle, like, hey, what are you doing? How can I help? Um, you know, just kind of venting, you know, sometimes like this, this business is stressful, man. Like, you know, you, you get fined by the city, you get, you know, sued by the neighbor, you get your contractor walks out on you. Like, you know, all, this business is very stressful, but having people that understand the game and, and, and kind of help you stay the course is definitely beneficial. And then the other thing is celebration. Like, you know, it's, it's hard for me to go to my high school friends or people that, 
you know, I kind of grew up with and, and, and celebrate a six figure deal because they just won't understand it. You know, some of them might may not make that kind of money ever in their life. You know what I mean? So it's 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 celebration aspect is, is also a big win for when you're part of a smaller group or a mastermind uh, like that. So that's why we try to join as many as possible. It's it's hard to like uh, uh understand the value in that considering that I don't have a real estate property myself. Like, do you think that's something that somebody like me would benefit from joining? Because like I don't have any like a majority of my investing is in the stock market, and I'm trying to transition into real estate just because I've I've had the same realization that you did that you explained earlier on is that the most wealthy people that I know are involved in real estate, and it's not necessarily saying that the margins are different or whatever. It's just like those guys for some reason have a little bit of fire in their belly. This is so different. So, like, yeah. do you think a mastermind would be something that I would benefit from, or do you think that I should get a deal first and then and then like try to find a mastermind? To oh grow? no! Like, if, if I could do it all over again, I would I would have gotten into a mastermind beforehand. You know, yeah. I would have learned as much as possible before getting into my first deal. I think that eleven thousand dollar check would have been a twenty one, thirty one, forty one thousand dollar check had I bought the property lower, had I you know done less renovations, but I just didn't know any better. So. No, I think it's super beneficial, but, you know, doing what you guys are doing right now, like even in this kind of setting of a podcast, like you're, you're, you're automatically building a relationship with people like myself. And now you, you can text me, you can DM me, I'm going to answer, you know what I mean? And you're going to automatically uh, get the knowledge in the front end. But what I, what I see a lot of people do is they don't take action after that. You know what I mean? It's like the analysis paralysis stigma you know so i had a buddy that i was coaching for a couple months you know i i opened up like a tuesday morning type of call 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock eastern and i did it for about a couple six months you know i was on them every week like hey you know did you call your seller did you did you send your leads i mean your text message like what are you doing it was you know i just kind of wanted to give back and this guy was just like man i'm just so scared of you know doing it wrong and you know for six months he didn't do anything and you know i think it took him almost a year to finally do something and so my biggest advice is like yes get in a mastermind yes surround yourself with people that you know know more than you and yeah that's great but if you don't take action none of it is worth it so it's almost like me just taking that action and maybe not making it eleven thousand dollars or two thousand dollars like was better than just sitting waiting around for something to happen you know what i mean yeah uh, that's a, that's really good advice and i think a lot of people that are going to be listening to this are going to be like yeah maybe uh, i'm not taking action maybe this is what i need to take action so yeah sometimes you overanalyze things for the sake of analyzing them you know what i mean sometimes yeah. you just gotta jump off the cliff you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah. And if you fail, you fail. What's the worst thing that you can that can happen? You dust off and you try again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, dude, I failed many times in my life, but the reality is I've never let failure determine the outcome of my future. You know, and I, I said this in the last conference I spoke in uh, at Ryan Pineda's uh, conference. There's like 500 investors, probably making twice or three times as much as me. Some of them probably five times as much as me. And and I remember just being super nervous, like before I was getting ready to speak in front of this crowd. And, uh, and I was just like, man, if, if I fail, like it is what it is like, but at least I did it, you know what I mean? And I can be proud of that. And one of the quotes that I used in my speech 
was a quote that I kind of live by, and it's the the famous Rocky Balboa quote in one of his movies. And he says, "It's not how hard you hit; it's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward." You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And th- that's what I live by. Like you're gonna fail, you're gonna fall, you're gonna mess up, but it's it's how you respond and how you react um, to failure that I think determines uh, the winners and the losers. You know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of it is is mindset as well. If you take, if you think a loss is just a loss, then yes, you're not going to progress. But if you take a loss as a learning lesson, you're getting one step closer to success. Because it's even tough. if you take a risk and you fail, you never start at a negative point. You start with that knowledge base yeah. and you know, you're not going to make that mistake again. And you've gone through an experience where, okay, where could I have done better? Where can I adjust and then thrive from there? So yeah. anytime you do something, it's it's a learning lesson. It's an experience. If you fail, you fail, but you, at least there's a learning lesson in there that you can take for the next one. Absolutely, thousand percent. So, uh, like following that, uh, I we usually get to this uh, segment here at the end of uh, every episode where we ask three different questions. We ask a personal question, a professional question, and a random question. Sure. And uh, and uh, to begin, we'll do the personal question. So, Phil. Go yeah, ahead. so the personal question is, uh, what habit or trait are you currently working on? <laughs> the first one that comes to mind is uh, waking up earlier, you know, and uh, I've, I've been doing this for a couple of years now, and uh, it's just a habit that I've kind of uh, tried to repeat over and over, but I, I really find that it's just it's it's just good for you, man, like waking up in the morning, morning early morning, like, it's just good for you. Um, I remember when I was working for Wells Fargo, actually, uh, I had like a season for probably two years where I was reading uh, Jocko Willink. If you guys never read the, the book, Extreme Ownership. Yeah. And uh, dude, I was going to CrossFit every single day. I lost like 45 pounds. Uh, I was in the best shape of my life. And it was because of like, this habit that it was just waking up in the morning and just getting after after it and being disciplined and that kind of stuck with me and and uh then i had kids and you know it's it started getting hard but now my routine's a little different but it's still there you know what i mean so i constantly try to wake up early in the morning and just spend time in personal development um and before it was like simply exercising and just like going to the gym and praying like that's always been the case. But now, you know, there's a guy named uh, Albert. Um, I forget his last name right now, but he's a big social media guy. Uh, he's um, the founder of uh, the mortgage guys. He talks about, he, you know, how he spends four to five hours of personal development before anybody else gets up in the morning in his house. And, and that kind of impressed me, man. And, and, and I wanted to mimic that. And, and uh, just start, I, I don't know that I can wake up five hours earlier, but um, that's probably when my kids are going to sleep. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, it's like just having the routine and that's currently what I'm working on. And I, and I find that I get such clear thoughts. My best ideas come in the morning. Uh, I have a lot of clarity, like in the morning, if I'm working through a problem the night before the answer usually comes early in the morning. And then I just, I just, you know, again, I told you guys, like, I'm a really spiritual person. Uh, so I think that, you know, when you wake up and you seek the Lord and you seek God and you pray, it's just something that happens. It sets your tone, you know. 
Uh, last thing on that topic, on that question is I try to implement the gratitude journal. The five minute journal is what I recommend, but it's just being thankful. Uh, it's a guided uh, habit. Basically, it's a book or you can get it on the app, but essentially just uh, ask you to answer what are the top three things that you're grateful for uh, in this moment. And so I try to do that every day. And sometimes my answers vary, but I seem to always say I'm thankful for my wife, for my children and my business kind of all in the same. Um, and then, you know, sometimes I'll be thankful for, you know, just the cup of coffee that I have, like not everybody has that opportunity. So, yeah, I would say that that's the habit that I'm currently doing, currently working. I'm glad to hear that um, you're still trying to chase that habit, even with when you have kids, because I feel like when you have kids is the most is even more important to have that that extra time for yourself to okay. get yourself level headed, because once they wake up, you know, like you're you're on Over. the grind. Yeah, you have full time job at that point. So like you need that time in the morning or however you find some time to clear yeah. your head for yourself. You need it, man. You need it. Like you need it. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah. So the next question is a professional question. Uh, it's like, where do you see yourself professionally in five to 10 years? It's a great question, man. Um, you know, we, we, we've been very successful at what we've been doing. Um, we're on track to do a hundred flips this year. Um, we hit, um, 1.3 million last year. Our goal is to do over that, um, get close to the 2 million mark in profit. And um, it's starting to become a well-oiled machine, you know, in some of our fix and flip process, um, our systems administratively, um, sales, we're still working on that, obviously. But once we turn that over, I think um, we're definitely going to get into multifamily here soon and start investing in some of those larger deals. And um, really starting to feel syndication is going to be something that we get into. We have the right partnerships for that and uh, new development. So we built some really, really strong relationships in the new construction, new development arena that it's just a matter of time. Like in the next two, three years, we'll, we'll be doing, you know, neighborhoods and uh, really, really excited about that. And then personally in that professional environment, um, just opened up a um, plumbing company, a sewer and drain company not too long ago. So looking to expand that and potentially franchise that at one point or another. And we just started this new company called uh, Thousand Hills, which is a uh, essentially a flip for you model. So we're taking our systems and our operations on the flip, fix and flip side and going to new investors or seasoned investors and saying, hey, we'll, we'll handle the flip for you and we'll get it you know, at a good price and we'll handle the bookkeeping, et cetera. So that's kind of what I, I, I like to see that grow. Uh, but I think that's where we're headed in the next five years alongside of uh, just coaching, mentoring, probably still. And um, doing some uh, some more conferences, like in the faith entrepreneurship space. Yeah, I really like that strategy. Like you're creating multiple businesses that create active income, 
so then you can place that into something a little bit more passive like you're right. talking about the multifamily um yeah. i feel like so many people focus so much on just saving and then investing all that into a like a small multifamily that they don't think about how can i generate more money to then go bigger quicker yeah i, I mean i think for me it's it's just been like create a lot of active income so that later on that active income is still going to be ran by your integrators or the people in your COOs. And then, you know, eventually you become, uh, I don't know, just uh, kind of like a board member or whatever the case may be. Right. But I think those uh, machines is what's going to funnel, you know, the passive income down the line. So right now for me, it's like, I got to work as hard as I can for the next couple of years to create, you know, these, just money printing machine <laughs> and we can buy the really passive stuff. And that's, that's, that's what I'm after right now. Yeah. Fair enough. Really um, cool. as, so for the random question, um, when you're old and look back in your life, uh, what do you think will matter the most to you? Ooh, man, that's like a deep question. <laughs> um, what will matter the most? Uh, Man, not that you got me thinking deep here. I mean, honestly, <laughs> what will matter the most? None of this will matter the most. Like money doesn't matter. It's not going to matter in, in, in the future. I think what matters most is relationships, the relationships that you build and how you steward those relationships. You know what I mean? For me, I really think that the way you handle relationships, the way you steward relationships how you talk to people, how you make people feel, um, and who God puts around you and what you do with those relationships is what matters the most. You know what I mean? So for me, I think when I look back and I'm old and, you know, I'm looking back, I, I, I just pray that, you know, the relationships that I've created would be relationships that were meaningful and weren't fake, you know, and weren't just, just transactional, but they, they were, rooted in something greater for a greater purpose and uh you know my biggest thing is like just leaving a legacy behind and just saying you know what yeah my dad was a hard worker but he never missed a game and he never he never put work before his family and he was he always managed to to be here somehow some way you know uh it's hard but i think that's that's what matter what matters most is just uh, the relationships and obviously, you know, your relationship with God, for me, I think that's the biggest thing. It's like everything will fail. Everything will fade away, you know, but uh, your relationship with God, again, for me as a spiritual person, that's, that's what, uh, that's, that's what matters most. Yeah. This is such a powerful question. Like people, they live their lives without knowing or putting themselves in a position in the future right yeah. they're just in the grind they're doing what they're doing they don't even know why they're doing it at times right. like they don't know what's pushing them to make more money like what is the true value what's the true purpose in living right and so it's good to think internally like how like when you're retired what can you look back on and be thankful you did or not be regretful about yeah love it yeah yeah I agree, thousand percent. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like, uh, like literally, the whole purpose of all this 
It's like we're we're trying to build wealth for our generations to come, but it's not for the sake of making money. Like I want to be there for my kids. Yeah. I, I want to be able to go somewhere where, like I say, my kids are playing a soccer tournament because I foresee that in the future. <laughs> like I want to be able to go to those soccer tournaments that are away. Might have to take a few days off work. Like if I, if we don't have that type of entrepreneurship, I feel like that's hard to do. Yeah. I, so like I, I do, I, I just want everybody in my life to feel that like I want to be generous. I want to, I want to give back to my community. I want to do something with that money to that's purposeful. That's why, that's why I want to build my wealth. So. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's so true, man. Like, you know, one of the one of the things too that like I really highlighted in in uh, and it's fresh, and that's why I'm bringing it up. But I highlighted in the conference when I was speaking in front of all these investors was like, you know, you get to a place where you're like, dude, I'm making serious money. You know, I got the boat, I got the car, I got the airplane. I don't know what it is, right? But you, you're you're doing great. But then you have to ask yourself this question. It was like a powerful moment when I was speaking. Like I, I felt it like in my insides. But I said, like, remember why you started in this journey in the first place. Because some of these guys are seasoned investors, right? They're, they've been doing it for like 10, 15 years, whatever the case may be. And, you know, they, you get to a place exactly like uh, what Philip said, like, why am I doing this again? Like, it's, it's why, what's the reason? And, you know, for me, it's like a constant reminder. And that's why the daily morning routine is important because like, you know, I have a spreadsheet that I look at uh, probably once a week and it's like my vision board. And uh, it's an affirmation board, a vision board, a prayer board, like all in this combined setting. But essentially it's like, it, it reminds me of, the why and the why was exactly what Paulino said. It's like it was for my family. It was so that I didn't have to be tied down to a nine to five. It was so that, you know, when I was 13 years old, my father died of cancer and um, he didn't leave a life insurance policy. He didn't leave a house behind. He didn't leave any money behind. If anything, you know, and I don't blame him. He didn't know any better. But, uh, you know, if anything, he left dead. You know, like my mom had to foreclose on the house. Like I remember that as like a teenager. And so for me, it's like that, that, that's, that's what drives me. Like that's, that's what matters, right? Like when, when I look at my vision board, it's like, okay, I'm doing this because I want to set up my kids for if in case something were to happen to me or if in case, you know, I don't know, something was to go down, like we're going to be covered and they're going to be fine. And then their generations and their children's children's will be taken care of. And so, yeah, it's, 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 it's more than money. It's more than, more than houses, more than businesses. Like it's about what you do with all that, you know, that you've been given. And I have this famous saying, you know, I always say this, it's, uh, it's, it's, we're blessed to be a blessing at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. All right. There's no better way to end on that than that yeah. right there. That's very sweet. Yeah. So yeah. Like, uh, we have, we appreciate you so, uh, so much for being here and being a guest on our show. You provided for us sure. with so much value. So yeah, yeah. We appreciate you being on and, uh, yeah, before we let you go, do you, is there anything you want people to know about what you're doing or social media or your company? Like, is there anything that you want to let the audience know about? Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys reaching out. Didn't know what to expect, but it seems like you guys are doing you know, some really powerful things. And I, I love the name Curious Investor. I think uh, having that curiosity as a, as, as a person 
uh, leads to some really good things. So I appreciate you guys having me on. And, you know, if people want to follow me, I'm on uh, Instagram mostly. It's where I'm mostly active or Facebook. Uh, but my handle is HectorMartinez.REI, real estate investor. Um, started YouTube. It's not going very well, but we'll get there. <laughs> Consistency, <laughs> man. Consistency, right? Yeah. Like we were just talking about it. You just got to keep doing it. You got to keep pushing it. I yeah. just got to take the reels and what I post on Instagram and just repost it. But I haven't got <laughs> yeah, but, we're going uh, to learn that process yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, everybody can find me there. And then uh, UJAM Group is our is our company. And, you know, we're always looking for investors and good people to just connect with, man. Uh, I'm in Georgia. So anybody in Georgia, feel free to hit me up. All right. Yeah. Thank you again once again. And you can find us at CuriousInvestFI on Instagram. Yeah, thank you again, Hector. All right, guys. Y'all take it easy. Feel free to reach out to me and uh, we'll be in touch. You absolutely will. Thank you, man. Guys, have a good one. See ya. See ya, man. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like the show, please leave us a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that like button, leave us a comment, and subscribe to our channel. You can also follow us on Instagram at CuriousInvestFI. All this helps support our podcast. Ciao.